This is the Leadership and Insurance Podcast, brought to you by FinPro Search Partners. Insurance companies are businesses and they need to look for the long term and be sustainable. We went from zero to one and now it's going from one to a hundred. Insurance as, as a concept, as a kind of service, is brilliant. The execution is what we're looking at now. I think the companies that are going to succeed are the ones that are going to understand and master the art of intent. When we talk about innovation, we lean too heavily to think about technology and we don't think about creating a culture of innovation. I think innovation is essentially continuous improvement of existing processes and platforms and product, right? It's got to be easy. It's got to be seamless. Good afternoon and welcome to the Emergent Tech series of the Leadership and Insurance podcast. I'm your host, Gavin Savage, and on this podcast, we speak to technology founders, executives, and leaders from the world of InsureTech. This is the final episode of 2024, uh, 2023, sorry, <laughs> and uh, I'm very lucky and excited to be joined by the CTO of Atune, Azim Ansar. Azim, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Thank you. Doing well, doing well. Uh, thank you for having me on the last episode. This is great. Yeah, got a bit ahead of myself. We're not quite into 2024 yet, but um, by the time this episode goes live, I guess we will be. <laughs> um, yeah, that's right. But, uh, but, but look, thank you for, for coming on. I know you're super busy, both in your uh, business and, and personal life, having a newborn. So I appreciate it. It's all very hectic for you. And as I say, really appreciative of your time. But um, no, thank you. Thanks for bearing with me. This is great. And uh, before we begin, um, I think always a nice place to start on this podcast. I was keen for you to introduce yourself, you know, a little bit about your career background, how you got, I guess, going way back, how you got into tech and sure. how you've ended up navigating into the to the world of insure tech with the tune. Yeah, that sounds great. Um, so, yeah, like you mentioned, I'm our CTO at Attune. I manage our engineering team. Um, as well as our product team at a, at a tune. Uh, although I work very closely with uh, our product partner, um, his name is Gates Mouse. But uh, yeah, I, my my journey into tech, I guess, has has been long and winding. I suppose uh, I'll start from the very very early days. I've always been into computers, into programming. Um, I was surrounded by software in some form or fashion from a very young age. Um, I have an older brother who. Um, spent, uh, how do I put it? He, uh, I guess like really kind of was a big influence for me when it came to thinking about software and thinking about computers. He studied math and computer science eventually. Um, so I was always kind of surrounded by computers, early internet user, um, first programming job was in high school. So like kind of always had tech in the back of my mind. Uh, I also studied math in college and then uh, minored in physics and computer science. And so uh, my mind was always sort of technically geared in some form or fashion. I took a quick pit stop after school. I uh, went to school in Philadelphia. I went to Penn. I took a quick pit stop after school in Wall Street and investment banking, which is kind of a uh, was was different and learned a lot there, uh, learned that it was probably not for me, but also learned some really important just skills like working hard, work ethic, that sort of stuff. Um, and then shifted from, from into tech from there. 
and got a chance to work at some really interesting companies like uh, Facebook, like Venmo, uh, was working on the incubator that launched Tinder uh, many years ago, and uh, found my way to a tune after Facebook. Uh, part of the reason why was I was thinking about new sorts of companies to start. Um, I started looking down the um, avenue of insurance broadly. I was playing around with sort of like a, a consumer idea with a good friend of mine in the insurance, sort of like a mix of insurance and lending, and then realized, okay, that's probably not the idea to get into, but I still think insurance is pretty interesting. I spent some time working on small business pages at Facebook and got a lot deeper on data and attributes having to do with small businesses. And so when I met some of the folks who were working on a tune, uh, I met James, our CEO, um, the company was being like partially incubated by Two Sigma. So I met some of the folks there. Uh, I got really intrigued and so came on board. Nice. Nice. Thank you. Awesome. Great. Um, great. I never knew you worked with an investment bank. I don't know if that's on your profile. Maybe that's yeah, missing, this is a while ago. Another life ago. You don't strike yeah. me as a type. Um... Yeah. Different, different, different life, I would say. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. But, but like I said, I, I will say two, two things I, I really appreciate from those days. One, work ethic and learning to work really hard. I feel like there's nothing like that mode for working hard. And two, this is going to sound silly, but I really think it's been valuable for me is learning how to use spreadsheets, learning how to use Excel, learning how to model things out. It actually comes in handy um, in all sorts of ways all throughout life. So yeah. Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, certainly, um, there's a there's a whole other language in itself. There, they kind of trend as well. You know, someone that studies uh, maths and you know majors in maths and minors in computer science. We see that a lot. You know, in terms of the the progression into engineering. I don't know if that's um, in the last kind of ten twenty years, but it's the common kind of theme. You know, some of some of the best um, engineers because you know someone once told me that engineers are not engineers that are good at problem solving. They're problem solvers that just happen to be good at engineering so kind of that yeah. math background plays up to that that really resonates with me i mean I, I i can't say i was ever the best at math or great at math but i really i really enjoyed it i still do and i think the thing that's really fun about it is you get to spend time thinking about problems and how to solve them and ideally over a period of time you rack up all of these different tactics and tools and mental models for how to solve problems. And that's kind of fun. So I, I don't see that as any different from what we do today. It's just maybe different context, but same idea in some ways. Yeah. And uh, Azim, just for the uh, listeners and for those that may not know who Attune is, would you mind giving a, a brief um, description of the business, what the mission and the vision is, please? Yeah, of course. Yeah. So uh, at Attune, our job is to make insurance as easy as it should be for small businesses. And I think the easy as it should be is uh, a critical phrase in that sentence, because we believe strongly that um, that brokers are an important trusted advisor for small businesses. They're a critical intermediary, the same way that a real estate agent is critical for buying a house. A lawyer is critical for managing legal issues. Uh, you wouldn't treat yourself. You would rely on a doctor to help treat you. Like We think an insurance broker is so important to help a small business owner navigate the various risks that they might face. 
um, day to day. So, uh, so our focus is to empower that broker to service their small business clients, their insureds better. And there are, I would say, two different axes along which Attune does that. One is to make the process as fast as possible. We focus a lot on speed that we can help brokers get through coding uh, and binding insurance for their small business insured as quickly as possible. And it doesn't just stop there. Servicing is a big part of that too. Uh, and then the second leg or access would be uh, access. Sorry, not to say the same word in two different ways, but um, we wanna make sure that we can expand access to all of the different kinds of products that a small business might care about and that a broker, um, that we can empower a broker to sell to their small business customers. So that that's us in a nutshell. Um, today, our flagship product is BOP. We have a few different digitally integrated products uh, through third-party, through, through carriers that we work closely with. But BOP is sort of fully homegrown and owned by us. Uh, we just recently shipped and launched uh, a new workers' comp product in South Carolina that we're slowly expanding out. And I think we'll continue to expand our access to more our brokers access to more and more products. That's us in a nutshell. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and a lot of people that will be listening to this can absolutely resonate with that. They're insurance professionals. They're, you know, everyone, of course, listens to this is from the world of insurance. And I think, to be honest, most will know who a tuner, you know, there's sure. been a lot of recent positive activity in terms of bigger picture stuff. But, you know, breaking it down there, I think it, I think it makes perfect sense. The question that I was kind of thinking was, you know, that that aspects of you increasing speed and, and and services for uh, brokers to help the insurance. You know, what's the what is the ever evolving? You know, you mentioned bot like that, enhancing that user experience for brokers and small businesses seeking insurance coverage. What's the I don't want to say USP, but to a degree, I think. Uh, maybe like the secret sauce, if you like, you know, behind enhancing that user experience, because maybe now it's probably more a crowded market than when it was when you guys started. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I think I think there are a couple of things. I think early on, research was really important to us. And by research, I don't just mean going out and doing surveys and things like that, but literally sitting alongside our brokers and learning what we could, either virtually or otherwise. I remember a quote, I can't remember which agency, uh, unfortunately, but I remember a quote um, from, from a couple of years back where you know we heard from an agent that, hey, like no one does this. No one sits in our office. No one spends time just like watching us do our work uh, with the other carriers or other MGAs that we might work with. And this is a really amazing thing. Um, and I think it was so novel, it may not be as novel anymore, but it was so novel at the time to just really plug ourselves in to the workflow of our brokers. And when I say ourselves, I mean our, our tech team. It wasn't just like the revenue folks on on, on the sales side or, or uh, I mean, they spend time with our brokers. That makes sense. Yeah. But having engineers and, and product folks and, and designers sit alongside our brokers was um, definitely new to them. And particularly if you think about the brokers that we're most focused on, we're, we're focused on a lot of smaller retail agencies who we want to help empower and help them grow. 
And so I think this was this was a really cool thing for them to see. So I think research matters. COVID disrupted that a bit for us. And I think we're getting back to that now. But spending time listening to our brokers, thinking deeply about their needs, not shooting from the hip, but trying to derive backwards from what we're hearing and build intuition on what brokers care about, what problems they're facing, and how we can improve their workflows, I think was a big part of it. So that's one. Mm. Two, I think is just the data. I think having as wide of a tel telemetry as possible on what our brokers are experiencing, observing what our brokers are experiencing, every entry point we can, we can use, I think has been helpful. So everything from the data that we collect on our portal to trying to quantify the conversations that we have with them as much as possible to seeing what insights we can glean from our servicing interactions with them. I think that has been really empowering. And again, there's nothing novel there, but I think doing it consistently and trying to get better and better at how we interpret our data is an important factor uh, that I think influences that, that secret sauce. And then the final thing I would say is just the speed. Uh, and this time I mean not just the speed of how our brokers get through our experience, but how fast are we getting at reacting, at learning, at shipping new features, new product ideas uh, based on what they're telling us? Um, how much faster are we getting at the core bread and butter? So if we're launching a new product, new insurance product to our brokers, um, are we getting faster at doing that? So I think, I think paying attention to and trying to optimize the speed of how we run um, does have an impact on the experience that our our brokers have. So I think I think these are these are some of the some of the elements that our team really thinks about. And then I would be remiss um, if I didn't mention the uh, amazing job that our revenue and care teams do in bolstering and really grounding that customer experience. I mean, both of those teams are so great and spend so much time thinking about how to improve their interactions, both in onboarding and getting a new broker active, as well as servicing that broker. And I'm, I'm super proud of, of both of those teams as well. Wow. All of that together kind of, I guess, contributes to the secret sauce. Yeah, no, that was uh, it's just super interesting. I mean, the, the granular level of detail that you guys must have been able to get into by, you know, I, I haven't heard of that, you know, technology you know, from the side of what your business does, you know, sitting next to the broker and really looking at that experience that they have on a day-to-day -day and being able to take that back to the workshop and, and create, you know, products that are perfectly suited for them. As you say, we're not shooting from the hip and hoping that this may or may not make their life more efficiently. You absolutely, you know, completely fully know what they need and you can convert that into a solution. I guess yeah. off, off the back of that, you know, the... The thing that the thing that I was thinking is, you know, what are those kind of challenges for the brokers? But the, probably the better way to um, ask that is by, you know, you've came from, as you mentioned, Vemnio. You know, everyone again and that really knows who they are and, and the journey and the exit that they went on. And of course, Facebook. You know, what has surprised you the most about innovating in the commercial insurance space and? And to probably add to that, you know, what surprised you the most about working with brokers? Because you've got a real first-hand experience of those challenges in the insurance space. Yeah, yeah, it's a great question. I think um, 
I think I was most surprised. I'll share a personal point of surprise more so than even a business point. I was most surprised by how much I would enjoy working on plumbing in quotes. And what I mean by that is, I mean, insurance is one of these things that, that people don't think about until it's too late. And then they need to pick their lives back up and figure out how to do that. And insurance is, is a critical part of that. And I think there are a lot of things that are enjoyable about that. Everything from the complexity that insurance has to, um, you know, uh, focusing, at least at the time, on a segment that was somewhat overlooked by software, um, which is brokers, especially our segment of brokers. So I think that was something that I was surprised by personally, that that would be so much fun um, for me to spend time on. Uh, but but maybe zooming out on the business context, I think um, there, there are a couple of things. Uh, there are a couple of things that, that are similar. Like, I, I think it's always funny to draw on different experiences and see what things stay the same. At Venmo, we were very focused on payments. And although we didn't call things the same way, um, you know, you're worried about some of the same kinds of things. Like it's fraud risk in the case of payments here. It's not exactly the same analogy, but loss ratio in the, in the, in the case of insurance. So there are these analogies that kind of span different contexts, both regulated industries in their own ways. So, so I think there are some things that are actually like pretty similar. And the one, most important thing that I think is similar is the power of software to be able to change the experience and be able to improve the experience that people have. When I was at Facebook, like I kind of alluded to earlier, I spent a decent amount of time thinking about data having to do with locations and data having to do with small businesses and small business pages. And so uh, it was really interesting when I first started talking to um, James and some of the other folks who were involved with Attune at the time uh, about, well, some of these data attributes could be useful for understanding the risk exposure of a business and better understanding um, how you might go about covering a business. So I think there, there are a lot of like sort of um, surprising connections there that I didn't necessarily expect. Um, I, I think the other surprise that I faced was maybe this is this is a bit of overlap was how I, I had spent a lot of time on consumerish products, whether it was con directly consumer or kind of consumer adjacent. And this is a little bit different. This felt more B2B like in a way um, and it still does in, in many ways. And I think that's been a, that's been a, I mean, maybe that fact doesn't surprise me. The thing that surprises me is, well, people are still people. And a lot of the product thinking and tactics and tools um, can work in a lot of different contexts. And, you know, suspending our intuition, making sure that we're listening to our users, making sure that we're spending time with them, um, making sure that we're empowering them to do the jobs that they need to do better, um, which in our case is very much our brokers. So I, I think, uh, again, maybe it's not a surprise per se, but um, it was nice to see that a lot of those things, those concepts stay in variance. Um, mm. I don't know if that all makes sense. Maybe I'll pause there. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, there's one thing I, you know, I'd love to come back to. You know that because I was thinking that you know, coming from the D to C world, the consumer world, or consumer adjacent to the world you're in there with the tune, it's it's 
you know, the challenges there just for you personally as a CTO, you know, having to shift that mindset. You know, I'd love to come back to it. You kind of mentioned on something um, with regards to the, you know, what you were surprised at. You were surprised at how deeply to a degree software can still transform the, the insurance space. You know, the, the kind of the technologies that you guys have sat down with the brokers, sat down with your partners and your clients and came away and, and turned the tune into what it is now, like the the technologies that you've used to create that, I was kind of curious to know, you know, what have been the greatest levers on the business's success? Because again, you've built something, you've not you've not just integrated, you've you've opted for the build versus buy option. You've clearly built something that benefits hundreds of thousands of brokers. Like what do you think's been the greatest levers on the the technology side of things since coming in and into where you are now? Yeah, I um, I think there are a couple things. I mean, and the first thing I'll say is, I wouldn't say I'm a big believer in we work backwards from the user, and we'll use whatever reliable, um, reliable tools we have to service the user. And it doesn't mean we won't build things from scratch. We have, like you mentioned. Uh, we've built many things from scratch, but but I guess what I'm trying to say is um, the technology is in service of the user. And oftentimes that means that we don't need to build groundbreaking things. We just need to build the thing that works and that mm. will service the, the customer. I would say there are a couple of kinds of, maybe, maybe the best way for me to answer it is what, what are the kinds of places where technology has been very useful yeah. in making that true. And one is one uh, is certainly the broker experience in our web app and our, our agent portal. Um, I think we consistently get feedback that that experience is a positive one by and large. Obviously it's not always depending on the situation, but by and large, a positive experience. And um, that largely derived from us just spending time with our brokers, trying to understand better. What are the other services that they use? How do they use them? What do they not like about them? Where do they spend the most time? Well, it turns out they spend the most time in their email and in their inboxes. So what can we learn from that as it should translate to how we build our portal? So I think our Asian portal um, has been a really important product and surface for us. I mean, we're constantly experimenting with and introducing new features in our Asian portal that brokers can take advantage of. We've brought some of those like insights from other industries, like A-B testing on our portal and those sorts of things to... Um, to get better at launching the right features to our brokers at large. So I think that's that's one segment of where various technologies have been useful. Um, the second is in empowering our teams. So time invested in building internal tools for our revenue team, for our care team is time well spent. Because like I mentioned earlier, they are huge touch points, if not the primary touch points for the experience that brokers have. Insurances still relationships. I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. And so, you know, nor should it. And so empowering those relationships by being able to serve data back to our AMs in a more delightful way, being able to build better tools for our customer care team um, is a really important lever for us. So I would say that bucket of internal tooling in, in quotes, like in a variety of different ways, uh, we've invested there to make the experience better. Um, the third thing I'll say is maybe there's one or two other things. Uh, 
the, the process of building insurance products is complicated. That's another thing that surprised me to go back to your question earlier. I mean, I guess I shouldn't be surprised by that, but building a new insurance product from scratch is, is a, is a very complex endeavor, not just technically, but the stakeholders who are involved, uh, there's filings involved. I mean, there's so much that goes into building a new insurance product. And so uh, getting better and better at optimizing every piece of that, whether it's document generation, whether it's rating, whether it's pricing, whether it's how we're taking in third-party data, um, that is quite an effort onto itself. And it's an effort that's borne fruit. I mean, we've gotten, we like I mentioned, we just launched a new workers' comp product um, in less than two quarters. And I mean, if I told a carrier that, that, that would be wild. Um, and our parent company was was certainly was certainly impressed by that uh, timeline as well. And it's it's a consequence of just spending time on figuring out how do we get every pillar of launching a new insurance product faster. Um, and the final thing I'll say is I think now there are a variety of new tools and new technologies that we can take advantage of in insurance. Insurance is all documents. Yeah, and that's what it is. And in this world of LLMs. Um, and new AI tools, I mean, uh, insurance is like the perfect candidate grounds for trying out some of these technologies. So there's a lot that we're experimenting with there. So. Mm. It's the ever-evolving standardizing of processes and documents, <laughs> insurance. Exactly. You know, and, yeah. and everything you described there about, you know, the the levers of success, you know, it, it really does speak to that insurtech wave one. You know, and we all have to speak about waves of innovation. You know, I've noticed in the last kind of twelve months, personally being in the space, and you know that wave one for me and is is really about creating applications, creating a more digital experience, creating something that feels nicer. Like, but now we're in the second wave where things are focused on more niche areas. But yeah. I guess to my question is probably twofold. You know that because of where because you guys have kind of almost dominated and. In your own field and your and your area, you know, within what you guys provide to brokers now, to be able to stand out, like if you're coming to market with a tool that makes brokers' lives easier, you know, we've got a tune here and we've got some others elsewhere. Like if you're coming into this market, like how do you stand out, you know, now because it's that you guys you guys have done the the hard the heavy lifting from creating the user experience. You've given them apps, you've given them portals, you've sat down next to these guys. I mean. Like, what do you think now? Someone coming in and trying to build upon what do you need to do to stand out? As a, you know, does AI have to fit into the strategy? You mentioned the LLMs there. Like, what do you think? Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a good question. Um, I think, I think there's there's two things that come to mind. One is you kind of alluded to narrowness. I mean, someone once said to me that insurance is an industry of niches. And I don't know if I fully agree with that, but I definitely see the merit in describing it that way. There are so many large pockets of insurance that have so much opportunity. And so kind of unlocking uh, those pockets, I think, becomes really interesting. That's that's one way. I think the other way you also kind of alluded to, but I'll, I'll riff on just for a moment, is um, really deeply understanding a segment of the value chain and trying to 
provide useful tools and better tools for a seg that segment of the value chain. So like brokers are a great example of that, where there are all kinds of brokers. There are retail, small retail agencies, there are wholesalers, there are you know large uh, brokerages. So I, I think each has their own problems and each has their own segments that they focus on, whether it's small business or mid-market or what have you. And I still think, and, and that's just within PNC, you go beyond PNC, there's all kinds of problems to solve. So I think there's so many, I mean, the workflow of brokers hasn't been solved by any means. The workflows of these various elements in the value chain haven't been solved. There is so many kind of gnarly and complicated and weedy problems to deal with. Everything from how data gets transferred back and forth to how much time is someone spending going into their email and copy pasting something into their AMS to what is the back and forth between uh, a broker and an underwriter look like today and what could it look like in the future so that the broker can get a little bit more time back and so can the underwriter. I mean, these, these problems sound mundane. I certainly don't think they are. And they have billions of dollars locked behind each of them. So I, I think there's a lot there in getting very deep on the workflows of a particular segment and just trying to make whoever's on the end of that segment's lives easier. I think there's a lot of opportunity there to stand out. Mm. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely, totally. Um, I mean, uh, the, the, the kind of immediate question was, you know, what do, what do you, do you have a kind of feeling? Because I know off camera, we've known each other for a little while. Like, you know, we've spoken about some areas of insurance where even you've personally thought about, you know, in terms of where's kind of ripe for innovation or what's not quite been thought of. Is there, are there any markets that you still feel in that commercial space? Because again, when we look back at the where the focus has been in that wave one, it's been on the kind of more D to C side. I think now the, well, definitely now people are really focusing on that B to B. Probably B to B to C is the real sweet spot. But right. like for you, just on a kind of more personal note, do you feel like there is any markets that are underserved in the market, or just particularly interesting markets to you that you think you know there, there's 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 a lot of good stuff that could and should be happening there? Yeah, it's a good question. I think there are a few things. Um, one, I'll go back to sort of our brokers. I mean, ultimately, our job at Attune is to make sure that they have the products that they can have to sell. And everything that we build, tooling or otherwise, uh, kind of revolves around that objective. Like, we want to make sure that they have access to the products that they need quickly so that they can sell to their small business insurers. But... Uh, there are many tools and um, workflows that can be built for for that segment of broker, our small retail brokers, that we're never going to have time to build. And so I think there's a lot of depth there. I know it's a little bit of a, maybe not exactly what you're looking for, but it's, I mean, I think there, that, that bucket is very deep and there's a lot yeah. there. So that's one that I'll flag. Um, the second that I'll flag is, I mean, we've toyed around with the idea of doing strategic partnerships with a variety of, you know, types of companies out there that are, um, that have small business 
customers captive in some form or fashion, whether it's like a company like Square, or like Toaster, or, or one of these kinds of businesses. I think people haven't really cracked that yet. And to your point, it's really like B to B to C in a sense, because I don't think I think the the ideal state there is what is that sort of embeddable? I mean, I know embedded insurance is a is a big topic, but like what does that really look like? And does it look different depending on the niche or depending on the kind of partners that you're interested in serving? I think it probably does, based on at least everything I've learned over the last few years. So I think there's there, there's 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 sub opportunities there to do interesting things. That's mm -hmm. two, and then third, I think there are there are definitely new and emergent and different risks that are growing quickly. I mean, cyber is a great example of that, and there are many others, yeah. or at least there are some others. And so I think looking at those sort of niche, I mean, they're not niches really, but those those markets that are growing fast, where the risk exposure is still not well defined or well understood yet, uh, certainly is interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's um, very interesting, and, and and I think you're right. You know, the they're not exactly niche there as you mentioned, but they're still hugely um, underserved. And you know, you kind of touched on embedded there as well, saying you know it's so wide and big. But you know, some people, well, some 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 people that I meet have met you know events, etc., and some of them are investors, some of them are. Just have a real keen eye on insurance, but they've got a very broad sense of where they're looking in terms of innovation. And yeah. you know, I think when people look at insurtechs, they just don't see the particularly maybe investors, you know, that are a bit more spread out in terms of their portfolio. They don't, you know, like a SaaS model, you know, a SaaS yeah. model that could eat into any industry and exit for hundreds of billions, you know, multi billions. And you kind of look at an insurtech uh, offering. And they just don't quite see, but I feel like, you know, in order to, it will never get to those kind of wild SaaS models that we've seen exit over the years for crazy amounts of money. But I think getting as close to that as possible, I do feel like there is an embedded model out there that's yet to come that can really, really operate like a, a SaaS model, just working its way through many, many different areas of insurance. But I don't know, have you, have you kind of thought of that before or? Yeah, yeah, I think I think that that world lives. Oh, let me let me say it differently. I think there's going to be things that exist that kind of approximate what you're describing. Um, I don't know if it's too early or not. I'm not sure. I, I know for us, mm -hmm. I mean, one thing that we tried to do early on was provide API access to our products, and that was yeah. a that was a tricky thing to do for a variety of reasons. I don't know if. Every, I mean, we didn't have a good sense of what sorts of partners would integrate with our API. We didn't know exactly what we wanted to be. Like being an API business is very different from being you know, what we are today. And, um, and the reason I bring that up is uh, providing access to these products programmatically by API or otherwise is definitely like kind of similar to what you're saying. And I don't, I don't know when the stripe for insurance will, will exist. Yeah. I know some people have definitely branded themselves that way. Um, I don't know if anyone's really cracked that yet in, in the truest, like in, in the way that you think of when you think of that phrase. Yeah. Um, I think it could, 
exist at some point. Um, I, I think one thing that is important though, that I, that I want to mention here is deeply understanding the risks that you're taking on when you're offering this kind of product. Um, because I, I think one thing that's very different with insurance versus let's say payments as an example, since we're, we're using the Stripe analogy is, um, although there is adverse selection and there's fraud and all this sorts of stuff, it's like a payment here is for the most part, the same as a payment there. Whereas the risk here is definitely not at all the same as the risk there, depending <laughs> on what kind of business you're serving and what kind of business you're, you're, um, you're offering insurance to. So I, I don't know, I guess there's a long way of saying, I don't know exactly what it's going to look like. I do think that there's a lot more innovation to be had there. And I think an important and critical component of that, whatever that solution looks like is going to be understanding how to accommodate and manage a very wide array of risks or being super focused on like whatever type of customer you want to serve. Mm. So that's how I think about it. How yeah. Do do? I don't, uh, yeah. I don't think anyone knows the answer. And I think, yeah, like the, you know, the, the plates or um, stripe for insurance. I don't think we've quite, we've definitely not quite seen it yet. I don't think, but um but yeah, it's just interesting. I feel like there's something out there that uh, absolutely can change it. I feel like embedded is is the model that can can really achieve it and and disgustingly large scale. But um, but yeah, I guess it's just the case of watch this space. I mean, you could have mentioned you'd toyed around with APIs, and I'm kind of always interested to in know what brokers and what people on the receiving side of these insure techs we're using prior to you know, APIs, of course, like EDIs or something maybe even less uh, digital is that. But like, if you could go back, because you've been there since the beginning, is that fair to say? Yeah, I mean, close, close. I mean, J James, a few others it, are earlier, but close up to the beginning, yeah. Yeah, like a almost a founding member. Like, if, knowing what you know today, if you could go back to the beginning with the... Would the technology strategy be any any different, do you think? Yeah, that's, that... a, that's a good question. Um, yeah, would the, te would the technology strategy be any different? Interesting, yeah. I um, I think so it's, it's a little tough, right? Because I think part of this yeah. journey has been figuring out what we're going to be when we grow up. And I think uh, and I think now we have that figured out. I can be pretty confident saying that, but early on, just like any startup, you're kind of going through, you're finding some product market fit in a certain place. Then you, is that really the, the, the right strategy for us? Is it not? You're trying things out. That will say there, there are a couple of things I would, I would um, do differently. Um, I'll go back to the sort of way I, I described the mission. I mean, providing access to our brokers is key. And we realize how important that is. The one thing I would have I would have done differently going backwards is invest a lot more time into thinking about how do we build these insurance products as um, effortlessly, let's put it that way, and efficiently as possible. I think we're trying to get really good at that now. We've spent some time getting really good at that, but I don't think it was obvious like from the very, very beginning that that's where we would focus. And looking backwards, I think I, I would. And there's a lot of complexity there. Like I kind of mentioned it earlier, but an insurance product is a combination of a few different things. It's a combination of taking in information, um, using that information to determine what you will write 
risk-wise versus not. Then once you've decided you'll write a certain risk, how do you price it? And then how do you make sure that you expose the right coverages and the right sort of features to the broker to be able to choose on behalf of the insured? This all takes a lot of um, work to kind of orchestrate together. And it also takes work, human work, in spending time with our carrier partners, reinsurers, uh, understanding what we can file versus not, so regulators, to be able to build the right product. And there are a lot of pieces of that puzzle that still are complicated and take more work than, than we would want. So, so investing more time there, I think, would be one thing. And the second thing I would say is I don't think it's kind of, again, one of those things where you're, you're growing, growing quickly enough where you don't have, you don't know what's going to be important later on versus not. And so the other yeah. place that, that I kind of alluded to earlier is internal tools. I, I think making the lives of our revenue team, sales team, and the lives of our care members, our, our customer service team easier, is just such an edge for us, for anyone who's working in insurance. Like I said, insurance is still and will be for some time a lot about relationships. Um, and so empowering those relationships um, earlier on and, and building better tools earlier on, I think would have paid a lot of dividends now. But we got there and we're, we're, we're definitely investing a lot of time there now. So I think those are those are two places where I think I would have maybe shifted the technical strategy a bit. Interesting. So. And the product, yeah, I guess, by virtue of that, the product strategy. Yeah, like it's a tough question. I um, I do appreciate, it, but it's always just interesting to sometimes uh, look at that retrospectively. You know where you are now because it's been such a journey. Like again, you know, going back to your kind of personal journey, which we touched on earlier on the podcast. You know, you very much came from that b to c consumer um adjacent consumer direct worlds and then coming into a tune i mean one thing that i think has been quite constant in this conversation is you highlighting the complexities of innovation in the insurance space you know how unbelievably difficult it is and, and probably um very stressful at times because of you know when you take the world that you came from and Clearly, you're a guy that has a real bias for action, wants to get stuff done, but can zoom in, can zoom out. You know, the complexities are inherent in the insurance industry while maintaining that focus on innovation. Because, you, as you know, we're, we're an executive search firm. You know, I place CTOs. I mean, most people that come on the podcast, of course, know that. And and it's funny because when we get asked for maybe someone in go-to-market or sales, they'll they'll always have to come from insurance. It's not quite the same for, you know, technology uh, leaders. So they can come from outside of the world of insurance, but you speak to like a D2C guy and you speak to them about, for example, an opportunity at a tune, you know, a bit, it's like, oh, I'm not your guy. Yeah. You know, I've not done that. You know, it's not for me. Like, and I always yeah. kind of push back on that and think, well, why is, why not? Why can't, why can't you be the guy? Like, sure, yeah. you, like how, 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 how did, how did, how did that kind of, Seems like you really just took it and ran with it. You know, you you've seen what you've learned, and you can absolutely apply it. Whether it's D to C, B to B to C, B to whatever it is, you can just apply what you know in any realm. Like, how have you managed to navigate that with? I wouldn't say ease, but 
you know, it's as you say, it's worked out. <laughs> it worked out, yeah. I, I, I think, yeah, ease isn't the word I'd use, but um, but certainly it's worked <laughs> out. I think a couple things. One, it depends on what your motive is. My motive, yeah. uh, as I was thinking about it, tune was, hey, here's this space that's really big, um, that has some parallels to other areas of fintech, which I might have had some exposure to versus not. And not just fintech, but has some parallels with things that I personally experienced outside of fintech, like I mentioned with with my time at Facebook. And um, um, hasn't really been like penetrated by uh, software or tech or that kind of thing, at least not in the way that we're imagining or that, you know, not, not, not recently. And so I think that that motive was really important to me. And I saw this space that was $5 trillion or premium per year. I mean, I'm taking the biggest number <laughs> you know, I can. And then you sub-segmented it to commercial insurance in the US for small businesses that, well, that's still like $100 billion. That's a massive opportunity. And then you look at the users that are affected by that opportunity. And it's the coffee shop owner down the street. It's the medical office down the street. I mean, these are real people with real businesses um, who depend on their brokers to protect themselves from, from risk. So I, this is a long way of saying that I think the motive and why you're, like, that matters a lot to me. Um, and I think if someone isn't excited by um, a big industry where there might be a lot of business complexity, but uh, the impact can be pretty real, then that's okay. That that's probably just not for them. But for me, that that was important. But I think that's one thing. Um, I think the second thing is the complexity is kind of a fun thing to unpack. I think there's a lot of opportunity behind the complexity, and there's a lot of. It kind of goes back to something I mentioned earlier. There's a lot of enjoyment that I get from making the process and making the complexity simpler to the degree possible. It's not that folks don't want it to be simple. It's not that there's there aren't opportunities to simplify things in insurance. It's just that there haven't been enough cracks at it yet, in my opinion. Um, and now there are way more, and that's great. So I think I think the just unpacking some of the complexity there has been a lot of fun, uh, which is again is not everyone's cup of tea. Mm. And then the third, the third thing is um, sort of, I think it would just go to the technical challenges for a moment. I think the technical challenges are a bit different in our space. Um, we're not a high scale, high volume sort of business in the way that, frankly, most things I've worked on prior to this yeah. have been. Um, but there are different challenges. There are challenges about understanding our customer base as deeply as possible um, and focusing on our customers in a very personalized way. That's a very interesting challenge. Um, the risk for us getting things wrong is very high. I mean, relatively speaking. So I think that's its own kind of challenge being as reliable as possible um, yeah. is, uh, is uh, its own kind of technical challenge that has a unique, I would say, element in insurance. Let's say the, the um, how do we innovate and go fast and ship quickly in a space where we are highly regulated? It matters whether or not 
we ship the wrong things. I mean, maybe I was saying the same thing two different ways, but but I think that's its own kind of challenge. So how do we push the boundary with um, with the constraints that we have in our industry? So I think the, those are those are a couple of the kinds of things that got me excited about this sort of challenge, and I think could get others excited. But uh, it's not it's I don't know, it's not for everyone. Well, next time I speak to CTO in a search and he asks, why would I want to get into InsureTech? I'll play him this, uh, this yeah, the, the podcast. Now that's, I, I hope know, I can give you a pithier answer uh, <laughs> at some point later. You, but that, you yeah. absolutely did. It's, it's like, I mean, that kind of brings us to the end of that. But Azim, just an amazing insight from you. Um, again, I really appreciate you coming on. I, I totally agree with your last point. You know, it's, a, it's an under-the-radar gem in the world of InsureTech. And for for people in the tech space, you know, it's yeah. I think I think you've just you've just eloquently um described it just perfectly. So a great point to finish on. But again, I do want to thank you for your time. I know you're a super busy man. It's a super busy time of the year for us all. Um, and I wish you um very happy holidays and time with the, the family. Likewise, Gavin. Thank you so much and, and a very happy holidays to you and your family as well.